Game time. Woo. What time is it? What am I doing wrong? You gotta give me a little emotion, like Kurt Livingston used to do this on the Bulls. He goes, well, "What I don't time wanna, is like, it?" Blow people's ears out. No, but you're going, "What time?" Give me a little emotion. You don't have to yell to invoke emotion, Brian. Okay. Come on. What time is it? Game time. You're Game supposed time. To, no, you're supposed to say. Come on. That was good though. Stick okay, with ready? me. Ready? Okay. What time is it? Game, Game time. Who? We got it. You did it. <laughs> Were you recording that? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Okay. As everybody is officially unsubscribing to the Bad for Sports podcast, <laughs> uh, Brie, famous last year for her spo- uh, FanDuel podcast, where we would say, okay, ready, set, hike. That's how I used to start the FanDuel podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we tried to crank this one out as soon as possible because we basically sent you off last week's episode with a lot of, uh, with a lot of announcements. We announced I was playing in a charity game. We announced that I am going away to uh, USA Fantasy Basketball Camp, which we're going to talk about too. And uh, also, I'm going to take some of your questions, as always. Um, Joining me for some of the sports podcasts. That's right. I even do a sports podcast with my girlfriend. What's up, Breezy? What's up? Now, I need you this week because I'm going to recap the charity game. And you were there for the charity game. I was cheering you on. Okay, folks, so um, let's get right into it. First off, I want to thank ESPN and 710 Radio for the charity game is benefiting the Stuart, Stuart, the Stuart Scott Cancer Research Foundation and the V Foundation. Amazing cause. They actually played Stuart Scott's SP speech at halftime, which is an unbelievably inspiring and touching uh, speech. You know, he basically says, you know, cancer doesn't beat you by you know, you dying. It's like how you live. That's how you beat cancer while you're here. And uh, they played that speech and it really brought me back to when he first, you know, when he first said that speech, like people didn't even know if he's gonna have enough strength to actually attend the award ceremony. That's how sick at the time he was. So uh, big thank you for ESPN and 710 for doing that. Um, On to the game. So uh, the game was downtown at LA Live, which Mm -hmm. for those of you not been to LA, you know, Staples Center where the Lakers play and the Kings play. They have LA Live. It's basically like an outdoor. Yeah, it's right across the street from Staples Center. Right. It's, it's like, like an outdoor mall, museum, uh, like an, restaurant. Yeah, it's like it's an everything. A, it's like an outdoor, like, entertainment. I don't know why I said museum. I don't know why I said museum. I don't know why. A museum it's, just it's came into my brain. a bunch of restaurants and stores. Like a city walk. Yeah, so they're kicking off Nike and ESPN. They're kicking off their three on three tournament. Uh, see, I said tournament, not tournament, which you always get mad tournament. at me for. And so they build the court in in L.A. live. And uh, so I get there and, you know, there's the fans are starting to roll in. You know, probably a thousand people in the crowd. You know, I got there kind of early. I did notice that uh, the backboards were not plexiglass. The blackboards yeah. were solid, which, you know, if you play a lot of hoops, like, I get it. I've played on those backboards. But for something like this, I would have imagined plexiglass because also it makes it easier for the fans sitting behind the, the, the game to see through the backboard. You just get a better, a better look. And it helps for the, the players, too. But they did not have that. And then the floor was not a wood floor. It was like a rubbery, almost looked like cheese grater kind of uh, design that's made of like, uh, I don't know, like old sneaker soles they like grind it up and they make like a rubbery type uh floor so that was that was that was it initially so i go to pick up 
my jerseys and stuff like that. And uh, obviously, I wanted to play in number 15, which yeah, was my number. That's your number. Is there a reason for that? Or it's just... Uh, yes. Uh, I think the first... Uh, this was in junior high school, but when I first played on like an organ, a real like big time organized team for like the local church, uh, you know, you got to choose your number. And my favorite player at that time was Latrell Sprewell when he was on the Warriors and he was number 15. Later, he ended up getting traded to the Knicks, but I think he wore number eight with the Knicks. So that's always kind of, that's just been my number ever since then. I don't, uh, you know, I wish I had a better story behind no, it, but no, you could say Latrell Sprewell. Um, so when I went up to, they have like this little area where you pick up your jerseys and stuff, you know, I had asked for a medium. I'm usually a medium, AKA a schmedium, like that. I'm not quite a small, but I'm not quite a medium. So I figured a medium, it'll be baggy. I'll look like one of the kids. It'll be good. Bree, when I tell you, their medium was an extra small. I couldn't even fit it over my head. So, uh, you know, I immediately said, guys, I can't play in this. Uh, I have body dysmorphia, number one. I think I'm way fatter (laughs) than I am. And I was at one time really heavy. So anything that's tight and clingy feels terrible on me. So they scrambled. If you noticed, did you notice what number I played in? Yeah, you had a different number. Well, they didn't have any 15s left. And then they wanted to print my name on the back of the jersey, which was very kind. The only number left. The only number left. Nobody wanted to touch it. Well, there's a reason. And I'm going to give you some knowledge. I know. Let's see if you know. I had to play in number 23. Now, Brie, why would that be? People heard you whisper. Why would that? Why would no one want to take number twenty? Because that was Michael Jordan's number. Yeah, and so wh- you have to show up. You're essentially saying when you any anyone. By the way, I even notice it in like other sports if someone's wearing number twenty three. That's how iconic number twenty three is. But if you wear number twenty three while being a basketball player, you're or I'm talking about on my level of pickup and like semi-organized sports like you're essentially you think you're the shit you think you're great you know who wears number who wore number 23 early on lebron like he could do that and that's even and even he i'm sure that was even saying a lot you just it's just a number you don't touch also my favorite baseball player don mattingly wore number 23 so that's that's always been a cool number always but that's all they had left i said great so now everyone immediately is going to think i have an ego and they're going to think i'm the best player on the court in my mind which i am (laughs) so they fixed that i do i so they failed on the jerseys but you want to know where espn and nike succeeded in a big time way now i brought my own broken in uh, basketball sneakers. I actually bought two pair. I bought uh, I brought a pair of Kobe's and I brought a pair of Chris Pauls. Those are what I like to play in. So I don't care what you think. Listening at home, they're broken into my foot perfectly, and I get blisters on the bottom of my feet very easily. So new sneakers are hard for me to break in. They had a pair of Nike of the 2015 Nike uh, Hyperdunks. Which I've played, I've played in Hyperdunks before. Liked them, didn't love them, liked them a lot. These are the brand new ones, um, all white with some black trim. And I noticed they got the size right. Because basketball, when you're, look, when I'm casual, I'll wear like a 10 and a half in Jordans. That's like my casual everyday shoe. But when I'm playing a sport, I like nine and a half. When it's real, that's probably my true size. I like when it's extra tight. They got the size right. 
They got the socks right. They had those padded socks. And I put these sneakers on brand new, right out the box. And they felt like clouds. They looked good. That coupled with the bouncy, rubbery floor, my legs felt good that night. So as much as they kind of failed me on the jersey situation, they succeeded and hit a home run on the sneakers. They looked good to you? Yeah, they looked really good. I noticed them as soon as you walked out. Now, I walked out to warm up. The, the basketball's all low in air. You, the court is outdoor. It was a little windy, so you're accounting for that. Getting used to the backboard and stuff like that. I do finally see Bree sitting courtside with some of my other friends who showed up. And do you remember the first thing you said to me? I screamed. I was screaming. Oh, I said, you got the green light. <laughs> yes. I don't you know gave, if you heard me say that, but I, I did, did scream that. But do you remember then the second thing when I came over that you said? Were you something you were really excited about? <gasps> yes. There was someone special in I the go, audience. I go walking was over. really close to me. I go walking over to give my, my girlfriend a kiss like, like a true professional basketball player would and, and get ready to go play the game and get some good luck. And I hear, babe, I'm so excited. I'm like, are you? Yeah. Oh, my God. I just met Jif. The Jif, the dog. The dog. Jif the dog. If anybody knows who that is. The cutest little dog. I don't even know what kind of dog it is. It's like Pomeranian mix something. But I got an Instagram selfie with him. At Brie Ricano, if you want. Brianne Ricano. Yes. At Brianne, two ends, Ricano, but if you want to see her selfie with Jif. It's the Jif. best selfie I've ever taken. And I follow, I've followed Jif on Instagram forever. I love him. I've always thought he was way I've met cooler Jif. than Boo. I've met Jif. Yeah. I like Jif. Jif's cool. I like Jif. I mean, I like Boo too, but I love Jif. So that's where her loyalty lied. Um, so now we're getting ready for game time. Uh, and we, you know, every team, again, it was the Hollywood actory team versus the radio personalities. And on my team, guys like Josh Dumal, Brie, you could cheer. And by the way, of course, <laughs> when we're getting introduced, Eric, Jerry Frost, Shane Mosley, uh, uh, Fat Jewish. Jewish. Ryan Cabrera. Ryan Cabrera. Josh Dumont. And you heard every girl go, ah! <laughs> every girl yelled. That's the, like Adrian Grenier had that too. Just like you say there, Michael Ely has it as well. Like you say their name and girls just can't help themselves. I but yelled go, louder for you than well, I did for Josh. Legally, you have to at this point. Um, so but I like almost lost my voice. I was screaming for you so much. Did Aww. you hear me? You're like my Adrian in Rocky. Yeah. Adrian! Uh, so every team had, you know, each team had coaches um, on the ESPN radio side. Ryan Hollins, former basketball player, was supposed to play for his team. Um, he chose not to, and he decided just to coach alongside, um, I'm not, Byron Scott's son, who's a hell of an athlete himself, was coaching the radio guys. Um, the actor, the Hollywood side, we had the Collins brothers. Um, and... I'm not going to say they weren't taking it seriously. Like, they certainly were. Like, they they were coaching. But, like, when I asked, I was like, hey, Jason, who's starting? He said, first four guys on the bench plus Corey. Now, Corey, ladies and gentlemen, was our pro. I think each team was supposed to get a former pro. Our pro was Corey Maggetti, who Corey Maggetti basically looks the exact way he did his rookie year in the NBA, except maybe he has, like, 10 pounds of muscle more. Than he did. Um, so the Collins brothers announced their starting lineup by saying the first four, first four guys on the bench plus Corey. And I believe our strategy was 
when in doubt, pass the ball to Corey. So I knew early on this was going to be an interesting game because we won the tap early because Corey won the tap. And Corey got the ball. Corey ran down the court. And Corey dunked on everyone. Just easy way, easy way to the court. Dunk, no problem. I was matched up early on with Michelle Beadle. And I am not one of those guys. I'm not like macho, like, oh, you put the girl on me. What the, I'm going to go easy. No, no, no. You guys don't forget. I know Ronda Rousey. That's a name drop, okay? I got in the octagon, although in a staged way, with Ronda Rousey. I know how athletic and talented and how much of a better fighter Ronda Rousey is than every guy in the world I know. So I wasn't doing the like, oh, I'm going to go easy on Michelle Beadle because she's a girl. Michelle Beadle's athletic. So we were just kind of going back and forth, and I knew early on that the Hollywood team was the better team, obviously, because of Corey Maggette. And I also knew early on Corey Maggette is going to shoot the ball every time he gets it. It's kind of like his legal right being a former NBA superstar, or star, whatever you want to call him. He's in the NBA, so he's a superstar to me. Um, and while I do want to win really badly, that is part of my competitiveness. I always want to win. I hate to lose. I kind of didn't want to win like that. Like it wasn't all that fun. Each uh, We had 12-minute quarters, so our first unit, the four guys plus Corey, played the first six minutes, and then the next five of like Josh Dumas and a bunch of guys came in. I got one shot off in the first quarter. I missed the three. I uh, didn't miss it by much. And I don't even know if I necessarily, I think I touched the ball one more time. I, I, I set someone up with a good pass. They didn't make the layup. Um, but either way, we were routing them. I want to say we were up eight after the first quarter. Second quarter, the same rotation starts. And like it's a running clock, so six minutes goes by, obviously, in no time. Just as I felt like I was starting to get warmed up, the bench comes in for the second six. So basically, halftime hits. Am I boring you, Bree? No. Halftime hits, and we're up 18 points. The Hollywood actory team is up 18 points. And In the first half, I kept screaming, you got the green light, you got the green light, because I wanted you to shoot, but I realized you were making some really good passes. Right, and the problem was, I, you know, I didn't really have the ball that much, and then also we had, a, we had an NBA, a yeah. former NBA player. Like, obviously, if he decides to shoot, that's the best shot for our team. Totally. But in a weird way, it kind of like sucked the fun out a little bit because... The ESPN team didn't have anyone to, they didn't have their player that could do that. Their number one option was Hollywood's own Ben Lyons. And while Ben has some game and Ben can shoot, Ben thinks he's Carmelo Anthony, Ben versus Corey Maggette as a number one option, uh, we don't even need to go further than that. Like, I'm talking the ESPN team had problems bringing the ball up. Like, uh, you know, they didn't really have anyone that could even get the ball across half court to get the ball to Ben. Uh, so we were up 18 points. The quarters were going so quick. And then also Steve Mason, the lovely Steve Mason, who I had a nice conversation with and uh, been a fan of his for a while. Um, Steve Mason in the second period, I don't know how there's video of it, but broke his nose. He did? Yeah. And it was weird because all I saw was him kind of awkwardly fall and it looked like a kind of, Oh, like, wow, I didn't know that. It looked like, I'm like, oh my God, this guy just tripped over his own two feet. No, he actually was like buckling, I think, because his nose was broken. So he left the game. So they're down one player, and they don't even have a guy to bring the ball up, and they have to guard Corey Maggette. 
And it looked like Ryan Hollins and Byron Scott's son were doing their best to coach, but it didn't look like it was working. Uh, Ramona Shelburne, Shelburne showed a lot of heart, she, but she had the green light. She was shooting the ball when she saw fit. Um, it really, really just looked like one of these things like, oh my God, we're going to win by 40. So what does Ferrara do? What did I come up to you and say at half before it even happened? You wanted to get traded. I demanded a trade, ladies and gentlemen. You demanded it. I went to the Collins brothers and I said, guys, I want to trade. And they said, ha, 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 sit down. I said, no, no, no. I, I don't want to play for this team anymore. I want out. <laughs> and they said, uh, all right, man. And then I went over to the other team and I went to Ben Lyons first because he was kind of their team leader. And I said, Ben, you guys should trade for me. I want to trade and come play for you. And he went, ha, ah, yeah, you should. I said, well, Ben, you work for ESPN. Like, I don't want to just do it. I would like someone from the network to approve this maneuver. And he said, I'll go ask someone. So who did I ask? I went over everyone's head. I went to Ramona Shelburne. I said, Ramona, no one breaks a trade better than you. And your coverage of the DeAndre Jordan stuff, you're just a genius. You want to break some news? Take a picture of this. She took a picture of me taking off my black jersey and putting on <laughs> Ryan Holland's jersey, which was a triple XL, which I basically had to tuck my, into my socks. Yeah. And uh, the trade was done. I went over to Ryan Hollins. I went over to Byron Scott's son. I think his name's Thomas. Uh, I went over to Coach Scott, and uh, and I basically kind of got, in a, got a huddle together with Ben and with Michelle Beadle, with Ramona, with uh, Rogers. Got a bunch of people in there. I said, guys, we're going to win this fucking game. I'm going to guard Corey Maggette. We're going to double and triple team Corey Maggette. I'm going to bring the ball up. We're going to move the ball. We're going to play defense. See, my problem with the ESPN team was, yes, we had Corey Maggette, and they probably were lacking in skill. But the biggest problem was, I tell you all the time with these charity games, I said it in last week's episode, it all comes down to who wants to win more, regardless of skill. And I didn't necessarily think that we could win, but I did think we could make it competitive. So I started firing people up. I I was staring Michelle Beadle right in the eyes, going like this, Michelle, we're going to win this fucking game. And she was like, Oh, okay. And we'd walk away. I go up to Ramona. I go up to, I'm like, Ben. I started smacking Ben on the back. I'm like, Ben, let's, Ben, let's go, bro. Let's go. We're getting blown out. We're getting embarrassed. That team over there, the Hollywood team, this community that you love so much, they're laughing at you guys. Let's go. Ryan Hollins started me in the third quarter. First play in the third quarter. Of course, my new team turned the ball over. My old team's on a fast break, and I ran top speed over Reed Scott from the show Veep. Reed Scott, who I don't know if he plays a lot of basketball, had a wide-open layup, and I basically took him out. And in in the result, I also flipped myself and landed face-first on the ground, but it was a hard foul, and it set the tone right away that ESPN was back and here to play. Yes, let me look. All because Jerry Ferrara. Well, I kept saying, you know, we're going to win. I kept saying we're going to control Maggette. Now, also, the Hollywood team, in fairness, did not play Corey Maggette as much in the fourth quarter. The third quarter, we were able to cut into that 18-point lead. And I think we cut it down to 11, which already was a major accomplishment. But then in the fourth quarter, the reason why everyone shows up, especially like similar to like the NBA All-Star game, it only really matters the last three or four minutes. It starts to happen. Ben makes a shot. 
Ramona makes a shot. Someone else hits a corner three. Now we cut the lead to like six, seven points. Then the ultimate move was Coach Scott, Byron Scott's son, said, well, you know what? If Corey Maggette's coming back into the game, which he did, I'm coming in. And Byron Scott, you know, Coach Scott, his kid, he's a big boy. He's probably 6'4". Could, obviously, he's been around the game for years and is obviously a legitimate athlete. Came in, and then we just went on a run. I'm talking Ben hit a shot. Coach, Coach Scott hit a big shot. And then yours truly ran off seven in a row with an assist. Yeah, that's right. I, I had a reverse layup. Then I had uh, kind of like a half a finger roll. And then I hit Ben actually got an offensive rebound for once in his life. Kicked it out to me for three. <laughs> drained it to cut the lead to one. Then I got a steal. And I found Ben, who he took like a corner, half a corner angle three that did not look good the minute it left his hands, banked it in. We go up by two points with like four minutes to play. Hollywood team calls a timeout. What happens in the huddle? Everyone's coming up to me, Bree. Everyone going, oh my God, you were right. Michelle Beadle saying, holy shit, we're going to win. Everyone's like, you were right. You led this whole thing. Coach Hollins, I, see what I mean? That's how you lead. Uh-huh. That's how you lead. And then what happened right after that? Jerry, take some rest. We're going to put in Mike Trudell. I said, what? Mike Trudell? I, I love Mike Trudell. Covers the Lakers. Mike Trudell's a good man. He's a good at what he does. But like, guys, this is the moment why I showed up was this final four minutes. He's like, no, no, we're just going to give you a blow real quick. Get some air. You come right back in. Four minutes left. Up by two points. I never saw the court again. But maybe they needed to give him... Some playing time. Well, here's what's happened. Now, now I do want to say the ESPN team that I got traded to went on to win the game in rather exciting fashion. We held that two-point lead. Ben made some clutch free throws. Uh, Coach Scott made some clutch free throws. Uh, Mike Trudell had a little problem bringing up the ball, as I might have imagined was the case. And, uh, but we held on. And here's what, it, here's what it was. The bottom line was, Oh, and Steve Mason, broken nose, returned to the court. Also some inspiration. I will, I will, I'm not trying to be a credit hog. Steve, Ma- Steve Mason returning to the court with a broken nose certainly fired the troops up. I get it. That wasn't my team. I was the new guy. I came onto a new team. I tried to fit in. I definitely took a lot of minutes, which I'm sure a lot of people on the ESPN side maybe weren't that happy with. But the results were showing, and the bottom line, like I said, similar to the NBA All-Star game, all you want to play, not the, I mean, after the cause, which is the Stuart Scott Cancer Research Foundation, you play in these games with the hopes that with a minute left, it's going to be a close game, and I could be the hero. It's the only reason why you show up. And I feel like I was robbed of that moment. I feel like I made that moment happen. And I feel like I was robbed for, you know, team politics. I get it. Mike Trudell is a Laker guy. I understand. I mean, what did you see, Bree? The truth. Be, now, I know you're, you're going to be one-sided because you're my girlfriend, but t- tell me what you saw from the fan perspective. Did I or did I not help lead this charge? I know I sound like an egomaniac, guys. But no, it was, you definitely did. It was painful helped. to sit. I, I wanted that and moment of they, the last minute. And when they benched you, I was like... We were all like, where's Jerry? Put my Put son Jerry in. back in. Like, I was yelling. And um, 
I just thought, you know, it is a charity game. Maybe there's some people that didn't get to play. Why am I so competitive? And you did trade yourself. So I thought maybe... Ryan Hollins probably made the right political move. Did he make the right move to win? I'm going to say no, because my ego is saying, if I was in that game, we would have held on to the lead a little more comfortably. But did he make the right charity move the right political move yes for sure um i need to work on something different than my basketball game sportsmanship i need to work on my sportsmanship (laughs) my competitiveness and my ego agreed but it's like a sport well you want to know why i started to feel like a real piece of garbage is because now i'm sitting the bench with four minutes left and our team is still scrapping and clawing and holding this lead. Timeouts are being called. They stopped the clock every whistle under two minutes. So we're having a lot of team huddles. And you know what I was doing? I would make eye contact with Ryan Hollins. He would look away, which I knew was like his moment of like, ah, I can't put you in. And then the team uh-huh. huddled up and I would step out of the huddle. I was walking away from the huddle. Jerry Charles. And I kept looking over to you guys. I had some friends there also with Bree, my buddy Nick. Uh my buddy Gerard, and they were giving me like the, what's up? Why are you on the bench? We were. We were. And I, kept, I was actually making motions to like the coach. I think it was like two huddles that I actually like, once I realized I wasn't going back in, I left the huddle. So what does that say for me as a teammate? It says, number one, I orchestrated a team tra- a trade when I didn't like the way things were going. And then my new team, I wasn't getting the proper fourth quarter crunch time minutes, and I started to pout. Who does that remind you of in the NBA, guys? Listeners, you could tweet at me. Who does this most remind you of in the NBA? I demanded a trade because I didn't like the way the team was going, even though we were on a winning team. But clearly, I wanted to be the star, and I couldn't handle Corey Maggette being the star. I get to a new place where it's not so much that I'm the star, but I felt like there was definitely more shots available for me. I definitely was a floor general, but I was not a good locker room guy. What does that say about me, girl? It just uh, says that uh, you need to work on your sportsmanship. Is it? Hey, I won a sportsmanship award when I was a kid, okay? When you were a kid. So you're saying something went terribly wrong? What happened? I mean, it's not a bad thing to be competitive. Am I too competitive, Brie? You're competitive. You could tell me the truth. Like, is it like a little too much? You're competitive, but I don't think you're too competitive. Although you do get really competitive with me. Like sometimes just let me win a board game. That's all I'm asking for. I just want to win categories one time. Would you appreciate it if I let you win? No, you're right. I wouldn't appreciate it if you let me win. I don't want to be coddled like that. No, you're right. You're right. Well, I'm going to read some tweets. Ramona Shelburne tweeted. This is what she tweeted for the game. Uh, ESPN Los Angeles team has acquired Jerry Ferrara for the second half. Straight money dump. Two future second round picks coming back. Uh, After the game... There was some Twitter chatter that I was absolutely obsessed with. Corey Maggette tweeted to all of us in the game, all you guys were hacking me, which was true. Everyone was fouling the shit out of Corey Maggette. And he said, we traded our best player at point guard, Jerry Ferrara. Huh. I wrote back to Corey saying I was getting freezed out. He said, Corey wrote, I thought you were the captain of our team too. And then they traded you and we got the L. I'm still pissed off. Now what Corey doesn't know is I traded myself. Marcellus Wiley, Jerry, you were our second-half spark plug, down 20 before you switched to our side. You deserve the credit. I do give a lot of the credit to Ben Lyons, for sure. 
and obviously to Coach Scott. Mike Trudell, the very same Mike Trudell who trumped me in the fourth quarter, underrated element of our victory was Jerry Ferrara switching to the ESPN squad and keying a fourth quarter turnaround. Mm. And then Freddie Prince Jr. was harassing me because I was flexing in some of the pictures from the from the basketball game. <laughs> we'll skip over that. And, I got a picture uh, of you flexing. And finally, Ramona Shelburne said, as the Rondo of our team, I tried to question Coach Ryan Holland's decision-making on Jerry being benched. He iced me, though. So, Ooh. all in all, guys, Ben Lyons won MVP. I don't remember how many points he had. I'm never going to live it down. But he did hit a big bank shot three-pointer. And he was the rock of the ESPN radio side. I need to work on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I need to work on my competitiveness. I need to... Because on the court, great floor general. I'm just... I don't know if I'm the greatest locker room guy. All right. How long did I do on that, Brie? That was a long time. Uh, 29, 30 minutes. All right. I'm going to take some of your questions uh, from Twitter. I put it out there. Um, but uh, really quick, too. Don't forget, you know, we got the FanDuel League. It's going to be starting up. We're going to hit you guys with the FanDuel link pretty soon. Um, you could draft your team once it goes up. You know, obviously, no one's going to do that. You could just draft it for now. Uh, at FanDuel, but you know you're going to change it a hundred times. But the FanDuel League will be coming back on this podcast where you could draft and participate in the league against me and my friends and win some money on and FanDuel. Me. And Watch Bree, out. who loves to take backup tight end Jim Dre from the Cleveland Browns <laughs> because he costs like 150 bucks on an auction. It worked out a um, couple times. Also, uh, stick with this podcast too because I am leaving. Actually, by the time you hear this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, I will be in the middle of my USA basketball fantasy camp. I explained it last week. Basically, you go to Vegas to participate with the USA basketball team in your own fantasy-type camp where they treat you basically like one of the players. I'm going to get scouted by Calipari and all the coaches. I'm going to get drafted by one of them, and I'm going to get assigned a team for the week. So I am going to be taping podcasts from Vegas all week long. Stay tuned for that. That's going to be a good one. And it's official. That is not lame. I've asked a million people because I thought maybe I was being a little lame. It's very cool. Uh, All right, I'm going to take some of your questions uh, in a second. I was also uh, bummed but also inspired to hear Steve Smith. Steve Smith South, as they used to call him, of the Baltimore Ravens, is going to retire after 2015. Um, Let me just say something right now. Steve Smith inspired me only because... He's five foot nine, playing in the NFL at a high level. I don't know about Steve Smith off the field, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure he's a good guy. On the field, Steve Smith, five foot nine, and just dominating the wide receiver position. I don't know if Steve Smith gets into the Hall of Fame. Maybe we should have this debate. I don't even know what gets you in the Hall of Fame anymore at wide receiver because the numbers are so skewed. He's 18th in receptions. He's got 915 catches, and he's going to add to that this year. If he has a big year, he'll, he, he's probably going to end up with 1,000 catches. He's 14th in yards, 13,000 yards. He's probably going to end up with over 14,000 yards. 33rd in touchdowns, he has 73. He's not going to get 100 touchdowns. I don't know. Is he the best five foot nine or under player in the history of the National Football League? That might get you in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I don't know. But let's start the debate. All right. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna take some of your Twitter questions right now. I feel like this worked out really well the last time I did it. 
Just going to pull it up. And uh, yeah, follow it for the sports stuff at Bad for Sports Pod on Twitter. That's where we really handle a lot of your sports questions. And uh, I'm just sorting through. Okay, let's see. Uh, all right. This one's from Alyssa at Hey, it's Alyssa. It says, What's your opinion on the whole 16 games in a football season debate? Are you a longer season or keep it as it is, guy? Uh, I'm going to keep it as it is, guy. I mean, to me, more games just means more money, and more money means more money probably for the owners that I don't know if the players necessarily get. I think 16 games plus the way the playoffs map, I, I am perfectly fine with the amount of football there is. I feel like there's football almost every night of the week, you know? You get Sunday, then you get Sunday night, you get Monday, you get Thursday, then at some point, the end, you get Saturday. I just feel like, I just I don't know, I feel like it's perfect. I don't think I would uh, break it. Uh, this Air Mag, at Air Mag knows, wants to know, your all-time Knicks starting five. Obviously, I have to take a Knicks question each and every week. That's part of my deal here at Bad for Sports. Mm-hmm. I'm also uh, the founder, along with Bree of Bad for Sports, so I make the damn rules. All-time Knicks starting five. Okay, it, this changes probably daily because so many uh, so many opinions of the Knicks enter my mind. Uh, I am going to go all-time Knicks starting five. Patrick Ewing at center. Carmelo Anthony at small forward. No, power forward. I'm going to play him at the four. Bernard King at the three. John Starks at the two. That was my guy, live or die. And I think you have to go Clyde Frazier at the one. He's got he's the only one of this group that has a championship. You'd think I would have put more of the 70s Nick players on, but to be honest, that wasn't my generation. I'm also going to name a sixth man. He wasn't a Nick for all that long. I think it was three years, but he got us to the finals in an amazing run. I'm going to come off the bench with Latrell Sprewell. Boom. I'm just saying, imagine Clyde Frazier bringing up the ball. Starks, if he's running, if Starks is running hot, which is basically the story of every John Starks team, if you had Ewing, Mello, Bernard King, John Starks with Clyde Frazier at the point, good luck defending that team. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Aaron Kruger at Krugpie wants to know, Yankees, in trouble or is it all good? Uh, no, in trouble. And I always thought there was trouble even when they had an eight-game lead because an eight-game lead in early July is quite an accomplishment. But, you know, similar to the charity games where it only the last two minutes matter, the Major League Baseball season matters really in the last bit of August, really, because now all the matchups start. We just got swept by the Blue Jays. I think we're going to play the Blue Jays like six more times. We're going to play the Orioles a bunch more times. So... Yeah, it's always trouble. There was trouble two months ago because you still have to play the teams that are chasing you. And uh, yeah, there are some cases where one team will run away with a division in baseball. I'm really boring, breathe the tears. Now we're talking about baseball. Um, but, you know, I really, I'm a, you keep it to within eight or 10 games going into, you know, end of July, August 1st, you still have a shot. I think. Okay, uh, at Dr. Khan, I can't pronounce that right. Uh, I want to hear some Raider talk. Nobody gives my team any love. Better record them or the G-Men? Um, okay, look. No one gives the Raiders any love because the Raiders have not been deserving of love. 
I always said the Raiders wouldn't be good until Al Davis maybe would get rid of the team. Well, he didn't get rid of the team. He's no longer here, though. Um, It's hard to talk about the Raiders because what's their real bright spot? Obviously, we could talk receiver. They drafted a hell of a wide receiver, or so we might think. That being said, it's going to really come down to Carr. Yeah, that's how you rate them. If Carr develops and becomes a legitimate quarterback, then maybe we could start talking about the Raiders, but I don't think they're going to have a better record than the Giants. I do think they will have a stingy defense, and I think they'll keep them in some games. They're also in a pretty tough division. Um, look, I want the Raiders to be good. I, I like when the Raiders are good. I know they're not in L.A. anymore, but I think the old Raider fans in L.A. even start to come out a little bit. I want the Raiders to be good, but I don't think we're, I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh... Let's see. Just looking through. Sorry, guys. Bear with me. I'm just looking through some of these tweets. All right. Andy McMahon, at McMahon underscore Andy, says, uh, Can you discuss your initial thoughts of the Knicks Nuggets deal and your thoughts now? I'm assuming he's talking, obviously, about the mellow deal. Uh, (laughs) My initial thoughts? It's hard to remember. I think that was, what, 2011? It's hard to remember what my initial thoughts were. Um, I was very excited to get a player of Carmelo Anthony's status, but I do remember that the team was starting to shape up a little bit. Amari was off to one of the best starts any Nick players ever had. I think he was like averaging 27 and 12 and was like a runaway MVP candidate for the first, I don't know, whatever it was, 25 games, 30 games of the season. But anytime you can get a player like Carmelo Anthony, you know, they gave up. Let's see if I can remember this. Wilson Chandler, who, serviceable two guard, very athletic and uh, could score, a little bit streaky, not the best defender, but was a legitimate NBA two guard. Raymond Felton, who at the time, Raymond Felton and Amari Stoudemire maybe had like the a top five pick and roll game going on with the numbers Amari was putting up. Felton was playing great. Felton was doing exactly what you wanted from your point guard, he was leading. He was setting guys up. He was scoring big buckets. Obviously, the Knicks went on to get him back, and I always feel like Raymond Felton didn't necessarily stay in the best shape, and that led to him not ever being able to recapture that season. But he was, and I feel like that trade is what did it to him. But he was on his way to, I'm not going to say he was going to be an all star, but he was having a very good year. Uh, Gallinari, who at the time I think was in his second year, who was like a coach D'Antoni favorite pick. Um, you know, he loved Gallinari. I think Gallinari's dad like played with D'Antoni in Europe or something like that. Or maybe that was Kobe's dad. I don't know. But uh, there was some connection there. He loved Gallinari, who was a promising small forward stretch for uh, Mozgov, who has proven, and we even knew it back then. Yeah, I get it. He's not Dwight Howard. You know, he's not Hakeem Olajuwon, but he is a legitimate piece of a team that was just in the finals. Now, granted, they have LeBron James, so it's different. But when Timothy Mozgov came to that team, more so than even J.R. Smith and Shumpert, he really is the one that kind of turned around that season. And also LeBron getting healthy and Kyrie and J.R. and all that. But Mozgov is a legitimate center in the NBA. I think they got rid of a 2014 first round pick. I don't know what ended up happening to that pick. I tried to Google and we got Mello. We got Chauncey Billups who I think he was, this was like right after his Achilles. Like he was basically, you know, a shell of himself. He did have some, some, he did play some big minutes, but 
Sheldon Williams, Ronaldo Bachman again. We I think Isaiah Thomas drafted Ronaldo Bachman. And uh what do I think about it now? I think we gave up too much because Carmelo Anthony was going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And yeah, it would have cost you a lot more money to go out and probably get him at the end of the season. And they were at the time middle of the pack, the Knicks. So it could have escalated them maybe to a legitimate championship contender. You know, I remember the New York radio stations had a song called Stat Mello for Amari and Mello. And this was now like, so think about it. You have like a middle of the road Eastern Conference team with a legitimate superstar in Amari Stoudemire on it. And they basically traded away the whole team for a franchise marquee player. And I believe that season, uh, the Knicks were the eighth seed. I, th- I, w- I think Mello missed the playoffs that year. I think he had an injury. I know they, I think they got swept by the Celtics. Or maybe that was the year after. I don't know. I'm confusing everything. But all I know is I love that the Knicks have Mello now. I still think that Mello can get it done. I think it's more of a cultural thing over there. I don't think he is to blame for the Knicks' failures. I think there is a culture and there was a leadership managerial problem there that, look, we're all banking on Phil Jackson and he's getting a lot of heat and he deserves it. But it's a little too soon to to answer the question. All right, I'm going to take uh, one or two more. Shane Dungan at Nash Villain, 1990. Uh, What's the worst kind of fan to watch a game with? Hmm. Bro, you want to weigh in? Do you have a worst kind of fan? Uh, Somebody that's not watching the game. That's like... Good point. On their phone. Right, like you. More worried about taking a picture. I'm kidding. JK. you. I am not like that. I like to take pictures. But I'm not on my you phone not the like whole that. time. Uh, hmm. You know, okay, fan, here are the fans that bother me that I'm watching games. And by the way, I probably bother people myself. The, there's like the unrealistic fan, meaning their team never does anything wrong. Like if there's a penalty or a foul called on their team, that's bullshit. Look, I am like that to a degree, but I am also realistic if there is a blatant foul or a blatant penalty, I'm still not blaming it on the other team. Uh, and they always blame the officials or if it didn't rain that day or just the excuse. Like, they're just not realistic that their team just lost a game and their team that day sucked. That's an annoying fan to watch with. And then also there's, like, the fan who can deceive you. Like, you think that they are knowledgeable then you sit down, you watch a game with them, and they don't know shit. They actually like are wrong about like the rules. They actually are wrong about the players that are on their team. You know, they talk about a guy who was like traded two years ago. It's like, uh, no, they, the Knicks don't have Amari Stoudemire anymore. They got rid of, you know, he's he's on Miami now, and he was on the whole other team before that. That fan's pretty uh, pretty annoying to play with. Um, so yeah, those are the two that jump out. And then Dallas Sobek, at Dallas Sobek, says, who will win, Ronda Rousey or uh, Misha Tate? Will it go round three? Look, you guys know who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Ronda Rousey for so many reasons. Number one, I've worked with her, and she is a damn good human being. I like her. Number two, she's an unbelievably dominating fighter. That's just a fact. And then number three, she whooped Misha Tate twice already. 
Why should we expect anything different? I don't think so. Will it go round three? I think if it goes round three, I think it's going to be because Rondo wants it to go three rounds. So that's it. Uh, we're going to wind down the show. Bree, how long did I do today all by myself? You did 45 minutes. <sighs> Guys, the show's just starting to get good. I promised you early on I'm going to get you through the dog days of summer. Think about it like this, kids. We don't have basketball. We don't have football. I am going to bring you the FanDuel Fantasy League. We're going to talk football like mad. I'm going to bring you basketball. I'm going to talk about NBA 2K16. I'm also going to probably have a very exciting announcement for you guys about that very soon. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have the baseball playoffs at some point. It's going to happen. Hell, I might even talk hockey on this podcast. So just, we're riding. I wanted you to talk soccer. I can't talk soccer because I don't know a damn thing about it. And I'm not like one of those, soccer sucks, it doesn't, t- Americans don't care. Uh, Americans care. Um, but it's just not for me. And I can't talk about something I don't know. Uh, am I the occasional watcher? Yes, but everyone falls into that category. I watch the World Cup. Awesome. Does not make me someone even remotely uh, worthy of talking about soccer. But we're going to get through the dog days of summer. Because you want to know why? Right now, as you guys listen to this, I am in Las Vegas playing in a basketball fantasy camp. There's going to be some stories when we get back. All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for tweeting. It's at... Bad for Sports Pod. Keep them coming. Follow us. Also, you have to, if you, I mean, I'm assuming most of you are following along and listening to Bad for Business. If you're not, we just had Rashad Jennings. We have a great episode going up um, real soon involving Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's right. I unfortunately couldn't get her on the sports podcast. She didn't want to come on and talk about sports, but she will be on the Bad for Business podcast. Subscribe to everything. No, she won't be. There's a story about her. <laughs> I just teased that pretty terribly. There's a story about her. I was like, what? Uh, subscribe to all the shows. Let us know. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will survive the dog days of summer together. All right. See you soon.